to walk into that room of survivors and to hear that chant when survivors speak, change happens. It's a chill that I will never forget. It's an overwhelming love for the people in the room. We all share a pain, although a different pain, but we come together to let people know we are stronger than what you thought. We are here. Hello, and welcome to the Crime Survivor Speak podcast. My name is Aswat Thomas. I'm the National Director of Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice. We are a national network of 185,000 victims of crime from across the country. If you haven't already subscribed to stay up to date on the latest episodes, you can do that on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other streaming services by clicking the link on your screen or going to the website at www.cssj.org backslash podcast. So I'm so excited for this new episode of the podcast, and I'm back to talk to another powerful leader in this survivor movement. Our guest for today, Bertha Purnell, is the founder of Mothers on a Mission 28 and the Chicago Chapter Coordinator for Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice. For the past decade, Bertha has been working to support survivors and families in Illinois. She has paved the way for remarkable legislative accomplishments and brought together a coalition of survivors and organizations to make more victim services available and accessible for folks in the city of Chicago and across the state. Bertha's story is really the definition of healing through action, and we're so excited, Bertha, to talk to you today. So welcome to the Crime Survivor Speak podcast. Thank you so much, and I am truly happy to be here today. Also, we're so excited for so many other people to know what I know also well, just the amazing human being and advocate you are. So Bertha, let's, let's jump right into it. Bertha, you've been a pivotal part of the survivor movement for safety in Illinois, but also you have your own organization. Can you tell us a little bit about Mothers on a Mission 28? Sure. I founded Mothers on a Mission 28 out of my pain after the murder of my youngest son, Maurice Rayshawn Purnell Sr., here on the west side of Chicago, there was no advocacy for survivors. I really didn't know what that looked like as far as healing went, but I did know something had to change. I found a way. I walked away from my 40-year nursing career to found this organization to help other survivors who were suffering like myself. And thank you for sharing, Bertha. We'd love to hear from you. What has been the impact of you starting this organization for the mothers that are part of your organization? As well, it's so humbling and it helps my healing to know when I sit amongst people who have suffered the same pain, but yet a different pain. And the fact that I've been able to help them in a way that it relieves some of their pain, going to the funeral homes with them, helping them to fill out the crime victim compensation forms, which is really an intimidating form, sitting in meetings with them with funeral homes, 
and also working with the detectives on their cases, helping them to get the answers that they weren't getting before. And that is so important when you want people to heal healthy because when you're calling a number and you're constantly being put on hold, that only adds to the anxiety. I've, I've taken that away from the people that I work with. I get them a direct number that they can call to get some of those answers. And I'm here to work with them through that process as long as they need me to work with them. So you're helping parents and families navigate the justice system. You're helping families with funeral and burial arrangements, often going to funerals, often going to the morgue at times with families. So Bertha, would love to hear what were the experiences that you and your family had with the hospital staff or law enforcement and prosecutors in your case, and, and did you receive any victim compensation? In my personal case, the day that I found out my son had been shot, and we rushed to the hospital. They took my son to Mount Sinai Hospital here in Chicago, where we had to sit outside the emergency room. We were not even allowed inside the hospital until I started to have chest pain and they took me in to be evaluated. As a nurse myself, I knew that I was not getting proper treatment, but I was not in a frame of mind to really navigate that. Actually, the person who came out to tell me that my son was dead was one of the security guards. The violation of HIPAA in that instance and the dehumanizing that I was a mother waiting on some information on my child to have to sit outside. You know, as I look back on it, what kind of treatment is that and how much more trauma was added to my situation. I did not know much about victim compensation. I worked up in Evanston, Illinois for some of the finer hospitals and we didn't get gunshot victims like that. So I, I had never come across anything like that. The next day, a man from one of the organizations came, rang my doorbell and gave my sister a packet for me to take it to the funeral home. No explanation as to what it was, how to navigate it or anything. Later on, I found out it was a crime victim compensation form. Luckily, the funeral home did it for me, but I had insurance on my son. And at that time there was a cap, so I didn't qualify for the victim compensation form. I found out later, but Oswald, to be honest with you, when you're in that frame of mind and things are just happening so fast, when we went to the cemetery, they told me that the funeral home did not put enough on the cost and that I needed $3,000 or my son couldn't be buried. Here I am, give me my bag, let me put this on a credit card so my baby could be buried. But luckily, there was someone there to advocate for me. And she asked them why couldn't they call the funeral home and have them add that expense. But that's just 
something that I've seen happen over and over to families who are grieving and they can be taken advantage of in those situations because I was ready to put that $3,000 on a credit card because my baby had to be buried, not thinking about an insurance policy. So in those situations, I wanted to be there to help somebody else the way that a family member had helped me because there was no advocacy organizations that helped me through that process. And I didn't want another family to go through what I had went through. Wow, Bertha, as the many conversations that you and I had over the years, I didn't know that you went through that experience. One, just the lack of support when it comes to victims' compensation, right? So you just handed this packet of information that was expected to complete that in hopes of getting resources. But to hear you talk about that experience, that day of burying your son and being told you didn't have enough funding to cover that expense. And it's something that I've heard many times before. And I think there's a lot of opportunities to really lift up the dignity and respect or the lack thereof that happened to crime victims and families when we are navigating some of the worst things we have ever experienced in our lives. Um, but you talked about the need for like starting your own organization to help other survivors and also the need to change what so many victims go through as it relates to the victim's compensation program. So I want to give you a huge round of applause, Bertha, one of our leading voices in the state of Illinois in helping to pass a bill last year that changed the victim's compensation program. That's a, a large part due to your advocacy and you organizing other survivors and organizations across the state. Bertha would love to hear from you. How did it feel to work on a campaign to change the Victim Compensation Program, which is a vital resource for survivors across the state. As while working on that campaign was so rewarding because it was so needed to get the survivors together, to raise their voices, to have their voices heard, to be a part of the policy changes that needed to happen. It wasn't that I was just fighting for anything. I was fighting for a need for survivors the voices had spoken, and it was time for them to listen to what survivors said, and I thank God that they did. And to be a part of that was so rewarding, and to stand with other survivors who was in there fighting just as hard because there was something that we needed. We want the violence to stop, but until it does, we need the people to be able to heal without so much trauma and alleviating some of that trauma with that bill that was passed is monumental. We as survivors really needed that and that is a win for survivors across Illinois. So some of the things that you mentioned, Bertha, expanding the cap for compensation, expanding the time limits for victims to file a police report and to apply for the program. In addition to that, expanding who's eligible for victims' compensation and working in collaboration with organizations and the Attorney General's Office to change the victims' compensation program in the state of Illinois. 
So Bertha, in addition to changing victim compensation, you've also been a very vocal advocate for trauma recovery centers. We have trauma recovery centers across the state of Illinois, but there isn't a TRC in Chicago. Bertha, we'd love to hear how can a trauma recovery center in the city of Chicago help fill the gaps of services that victims and survivors urgently need? You know, Oswald, to the people who are saying that we don't need, we have enough, those are the people who really need to be educated. There is no way that a person in need should have to travel from the west side of Chicago to Waukegan or to 95th Street when they are in need. That is just inhumane. We need for people to be able to get the care that they need within a, a short time frame. If they have to take three buses and they need to get somewhere else for their children, they can't run to the South Side or to Waukegan and still pick up their children. We have to make it convenient for people to get the needed help that trauma recovery centers provide so that the family can grow back together healthy. We need trauma recovery centers in communities where people are being harmed and hurt so that people can get the help they need so they can go back to living productive lives as much as possible. And traveling 45 minutes to an hour and sometime longer, especially if you're traveling by bus, you're crying, you're upset, you're on a bus, it's so many other things going on. You're adding additional trauma to these people. We have to alleviate those barriers to care. We need to provide so that people can get the care that they need in the neighborhoods where they need it. And that right there is really about building this infrastructure of victim services in local communities, right? By investing in trauma recovery centers so survivors don't have to take three buses just to go out and seek services while they're still recovering from being a victim of violent crime. So we really need to invest more. Bertha, one of the things that I find so inspiring about you and something that I think a lot of advocates can learn from is, is how you've gone about mobilizing people with different perspectives around these issues. As an example, you've been hosting a series of resource fairs in Chicago to bring together survivors, service providers, law enforcement, the AG's office, really to help connect victims to services and offering healing circles as well. Also talk about unsolved cases and how to communicate well with survivors and families. Can you tell us a little bit more about the resource events that you've been doing and what has been the response of people who have attended these events? These events really warmed my heart. I initially started out here in Austin, where I live, and we brought together the state's attorney's office, the attorney general's office. What we have here in Chicago, they're called Family Liaison Office. They are the officers between the families and the detectives. We have CSSJ join us because they are a big component for survivors. And then we have a restorative justice circle, a healing circle. But in these expos, 
we give each organization a time to tell exactly what they do in this process. And they give them numbers that they can call so they don't have to be passed from one person to the other. They get this information. Then we take the families into a room and we sit in a healing circle and it gives them a time to unload, to get some of that, that pressure off and they can start to heal. And those circles are so, so very important. We've done three here in, in Chicago. We have two to go before this year. In the first expo that we did, there were some officers from the South side who asked me if I could duplicate it there. So we did it on that side, but it gives family the information they need in Chicago, when I first started this work, one of the things that I heard was we haven't heard from my detective in a year since it happened. We're cutting that barrier down. And that is a way to help survivors. And that comes from listening to what survivors say that they need is how these expos came to be. I thank God for the vision I thank God for the help from CSSJ and the partnership. And I thank God for the attorney general's office that they saw a need. The state's attorney's office, they saw a need. The police, they saw a need. And now we're trying to help the people heal healthy. And as I said, that circle at the end is also so, so very important. A lot of people don't know about restorative justice and restorative healing. But that's something that we're trying to teach in order to break down some of the violence in our communities. Because if we can stop the hurt, we can stop the violence. If we can stop the hurt, we can stop the violence. So just extraordinary to hear about these expos. If you are in the Chicago area monitor our CSSJ.org events webpage for the upcoming date for a resource fair and we hope if you are in the Chicago area that you'll be able to attend the next expo. Bertha, once again, you've been such a just amazing leader and we're just always so grateful here at Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice to partner with leaders like you. You've changed laws, you have changed lives, you have helped victims get access to services and you have built this community of survivors and advocates as well. What do you find most rewarding about supporting and advocating for survivors? You know, Oswald, you keep saying you. I said we. We have worked together. We have listened to survivors. Even with Survivor Speaks, that is enormous. That's something we do together. So it's not just a me. I might have a vision but we carry it out together. And that's what it's all about, listening to survivors and bringing the need of the survivors to the forefront, be it in legislation, finding who the detective is on a case, sitting in, in court with people. Because Oswald, I've called you when a family member didn't have the money to bury their loved one doing a service and you came through for me. So it's a we. It's not just to me, it's a we. And I thank God for the partnership with CSSJ. 
And I thank God for the partnerships that we're building with other entities, the state's attorney's office, the attorney general's office, the FLOs, and we're lifting survivors to give them the healing that they need. Mm, you're right about that. It is the we, this movement that we've built in Chicago, in Illinois, and across the country of survivors and organizations coming together to really build this new vision for safety. You mentioned Survivor Speak. I know you've been to several Survivor Speaks in Illinois, which you've helped lead, and you've also been to our national event. Can you take us back to that feeling or that experience when you walked into or was part of your first Survivor Speak event? Mm. Oswald, now you want to make me cry. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> to walk into that room of survivors and to hear that chant when survivors speak, change happens. It's a chill that I will never forget. It's an overwhelming love for the people in the room. We all share a pain, although a different pain, but we come together to let people know we are stronger than what you thought. We are here. And the survivors speak each year. I feel it even stronger. The people, the chanting, the hugs. Oh my God, it's just overwhelming. Support is what we should be doing every day. And I try to carry that in everything I do. That feeling, I want everybody to feel that feeling because that's a part of healing. It just lifts the load. For me, I feel like some of the load has been lifted when I walk into those spaces. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you for sharing that, Bertha. It's, uh, you know, I was like, I've never asked Bertha that question, right? What was it like for her during her first Survivor Speak experience? And what you shared is exactly what I went through during my first event. So if you're out there listening, if you haven't been to a Survivor Speak, we do these events in all of the states that we work in, including California, Arizona, Florida, Texas, Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio. And so if you haven't been to a Survivor Speak in those states, you know, go to the website right now, become a member for the opportunity for you to be part of Survivor Speak. Or if you want to watch what Bertha just described, go to our Crime Survivor for Safety and Justice YouTube page to watch the recap videos of our Survivor Speak events. Bertha, it's been a pleasure as always talking with you. Thanks so much for being today's guest. If you want to learn more about Bertha's work and her organization, you can go to mothersonthemission28.org to support Bertha's organization and just the amazing work uh, that she's doing as well. If you are in the Chicago area and you want to join the Crime Survivors for Safety and Justice Chicago chapter that's led by Bertha, go to the website at www.cssj. Org, scroll down to Illinois, click on our membership link and become a member of the Chicago chapter as well. 
Once again, Bertha, thank you so much for being on today's episode of the Crime Survivor Speak podcast. Any final words of encouragement to survivors, Bertha, that you would like to share? I would like to say to all the survivors, I look at survivors as not only the person that has been directly impacted, but also those communities where those crimes happen. Please join us, lift your voice. Let's take our pain and turn it into our purpose. We can stop the violence together. We are stronger. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. And when survivors speak, Bertha, change happens there it is there it is so it happens <laughs> always always i think a new one that i heard our members say is that when survivors speak we pass bills <laughs> yes we do yes we do so thank you so much to everyone for listening to today's episode to become a member of crime survivor safety and justice or join our email list visit the website at www .cssj.org to join a chapter near you or our national network. Remember, you can tune into all podcast episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other streaming platforms. At Crime Survivor for Safety and Justice, we are healing through action. And when survivors speak, change happens. Join the movement and we'll talk to you all soon.